Hey, what's up listeners? That's Joy Show Record Holder Podcast to End Musician. Today I will explain the chapter Lost Spring by Annie's Jung. So let's begin. So let us talk about the chapter sketch. These experts are taken from the author's book Lost Spring, Stories of Stolen Childhood. This chapter is divided into two parts, containing the author's first-hand experience with the poverty and traditions prevailing in some parts of India. The first part describes the plight of the poor rectics of Simapuri. The second part describes the miserable conditions of the bangle makers of Firuzabad. Let us talk about the characters. Sahib. He is a rectico from Simapuri, Delhi. He has simple dreams. He believes in promises made to him. The second character is Mukesh. He is a boy belonging to a family of bangle makers in Firozabad. He dreams of breaking away from tradition and breaking a motor mechanic. The third character is the narrator, which is Anis Jung. She is a social worker who emphasizes with the slum dwellers and honestly portrays the by table lives. Let us talk about the author. Annie Jung, born in 1944, studied in India and the USA. She began her career as a writer in India. She has been an editor and columnist for major newspapers in India and abroad and has authored several books. Her most noted work, Unliving Unwilling India, 1987, was a detailed chronicle of the lives of Women in India. Her book Lost Springs Stories of Stolen Childhood 2005 focuses on children from deprived backgrounds of the society. Let's, let's talk about the summary of the chapter. Sometimes I find Rupi in the garbage. Sahib, the ragbiko. Every morning, the author meets Sahib and his friends struggling for gold in the garbage dumps for her neighborhood. Saib and his family hail from Bangladesh, but they have left their home a long time ago. Storms washed away their fields and homes, reducing them to a state of abject poverty, which they left behind in the hope of finding a better life. This way, they came to the city looking for gold. The author asks Sahib why he does rag picking and does not go to school. To this, he replies that there is no school in the neighborhood. The author jokingly promises to open a school. After a few days, Saib asks him the author has opened the school. The author is very embarrassed and having made promise that she mean to be not fulfilled. Nevertheless, the uh, poet, uh, the writer and the author, Anis Jung, realizes that such promises are made to these children almost every day. Sahibi Alam, Lord of the Universe After some months of knowing him, the author asks Sahib his full name. The author notices the irony of Sahib's name, Sahibi Alam, which means a Lord of the Universe. She feels that Sahib would not believe what his name means. Unaware of the meaning of his name, Sahib roams with his bag barefoot on the streets. The author curiously asks why they don't wear slippers. One replies that his mother 
and does not bring them from the shelf. Another says that he wants shoes. Moving across the country, the author has seen many children walking barefoot. One of the explanations is that it's a tradition, not not lack of money. And this wonders if this is just an excuse to explain away perpetual state of poverty. Author pained by the fact that rag pickers are still barefoot. The author remembers a man from Udipudi who has a young boy who passed a temple where his father was a priest and prayed for a pair of shoes. Thirty years later, the author visited his town. Behind the temple, there was a house of new priest. Anis noticed the young boy of the priest who has arrived painting. He was wearing shoes. The writer was reminded of the boy who prayed that he should never lose his shoes. The goddess had granted his prayer as of the young boys there now have shoes to wear. Against this, the rack pickers in the author's neighborhood still remain barefooted. Garbage in Gold The author acquaintance with the barefoot rack pickers take her to Simapuri. Simapuri is the place of the periphery of Delhi, yet miles it from it metaphorically. The place is home to 10,000 other shoeless rag pickers like Sahib. They, are, they all are Bangladeshi refugees who came back in 1971. They live in very poor conditions in mud sculptures with roofs of tin and tarpaulin. The place has no running water facility and no drainage. The rag pickers have lived here for the 30 past years. Some often even more without identity. Yet, they have the valid ration cards. Not having an identity doesn't bother them if at the end of the day they don't sleep with empty stomachs. They prefer to live here rather than in the fields at home which give them no gain. They who lived in the beautiful land of green fields and rivers are now compelled to pitch their tents wherever they find food. Children are born in them and become partners in survival. And survival in Simapuri means rag picking. Over the years, rag picking has become an art. Garbage is gold to this rag pickers. It is their only support and means of income. Saib tells the author that sometimes he finds a rupee, even a 10 rupee note. Anis realizes that garbage holds a different meaning to both parents and children. For parents, it is the source of their livelihood, providing them with food and shelter for their children and is wrapped in wonder. Lost Spring One winter morning, the author sees Sahib outside the fenced gate of the neighborhood club. He's watching a game of tennis. Saib seems to be fascinated by the game. He tells the author that sometimes the guard lets him in and he can ride the swing. The author notices that Saheb is wearing tennis shoes. Tennis tells that Saheb that her someone gave him to him. The fact that some rich boy discarded the shoes because they were there was a hole in the in one of them does not bother him. For Fa Sahib, 
who walked his whole life barefoot is like dream come true sahib no longer his own master one morning the author sees sahib on the way to the milk booth he is carrying a steel canister he informs the author that he is now working as a tea stall in a paid 100 rupees and all his meals but the author the author feels that sahib is not happy his face has lost the carefree look the steel canister seems heavier than the plastic bag the bag was his but the canister belongs to the owner of the tea stall sahib is no longer of his own master i want to drive a car mukesh wants to be his own master here begins the second story in ferozabad the author meets mukesh who insists on being of his own master he wishes to be a motor mechanic and is asked him if he knows anything about cars mukesh replies that he is he wants to learn to drive a car the author feels that his dream is like a mirage amidst the dusty streets of ferozabad Every second family in the Firozabad is engaged in the business of bangle making. Firozabad is a central seat in India's glass blowing industry with generations after generations have been involved in this business. After the encounter of with poverty, the people of Firozabad involve their children in the bangle making industry without knowing that it is illegal for children to to work in the glass furnaces with the high temperatures in digni cells without air and light if the law is enforced almost 20000 children would be out of hot furnaces where they work day and night often losing the brightness of their eyes mukesh proudly announces that his house is being rebuilt and volunteers to take the authors home they walk down stinking lanes choked with garbage and past houses that are small and dirty and constructions with wobbly doors with no windows where families of humans and animals coexist in a private state in a primitive state basically they enter a half built stack of one part of the which the them they thatched with dead grasses where a frail young man is cooking the evening meal for the whole family she is the wife of mukesh's elder brother thought not much uh, older in years she has respect for a uh, respect of her babu she wails her face mukesh's father enters oh. the god giving lineage mukesh's father had toiled hard of all his life with first as a tailor and has then has bangle maker still the poor fellow has been unable to renovate his out or send his two sons at school lost spring in the darkness of hurtmans next to the lines of flames of flickering oil maps sit boys and girls with their fathers and mothers wielding pieces of colored glasses into colors of bangles these eyes are more adjusted to the darker than to the light outside they often lent up losing eyesight before had become the adult 
daring, not a part of growing up. One wonders if Mughesh's father had achieved what many have failed to achieve in their lifetime. He has a roof of his head. The cry of not have money in can be heard in every house or vault of Ferozabad. Nothing has changed over the years here in the hardship have killed all hopes and dreams. The author asks a group of young men to organize themselves in a cooperative. She learns the horrific truth that even a great organized they have taken to jail for doing something illegal and beaten up. There is no leader among them. The author finds two distinct walls in Ferozabad. The one is exploited family caught with, with a vortex poverty and the stigma of the caste in which they were born. And the other is vicious circle of those who exploit them, the shockers, the middlemen, the politicians, the lawmakers, the policemen and the bureaucrats. This have been created such a burden in that child expects that this is natural and his father did. To do something else would mean to dare and daring is not part of growing up. The author is filled with joy and he finds what Mukesh thinks differently. The boy is filled with hope. His dreams of being motor mechanic is still alive in his eyes. He is willing to dare and is asked Mukesh if he also dreams of flying a plane, Mukesh replies in negative. He is the content of two dreams of cars and few planes fly over Firozabad. Thank you.